and welcome to another episode of the Cats Protection Shelter Medicine Podcast. My name is Sandra Milburn and I'm the Education Vet here at Cats Protection and with me today I've got Vanessa Howie who is our Head of Clinical Services. Hello Vanessa. Hello Sandra. Thanks so much for making time in your busy schedule. I know you're here, there and everywhere so I really appreciate you coming in and talking to us today. And today's topic is basically cat welfare and that what that kind of means not only within Cats Protection what it, but in general as well. But before we get into that, I thought, again, in the interest of diversification within the veterinary profession, it would be interesting to hear how you've ended up at Cats Protection and what your journey as a vet has been, so to speak. Okay, yes. Um, I'm a little unusual, I suppose, in terms of where I've ended up with a, in a feline charity. I went down the route of going to vet school to become an equine vet. Um, so having <coughs> gone through the process and qualified from the Royal Vet College in 2000, um, I quickly discovered having gone into mixed practice that maybe that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, as a new graduate I spent a month working out or volunteering out in Morocco for Svana, the charity that works with working equids and I, that kind of really um, for me ignited my passion I suppose for charity work and actually wanting to make a difference. Um, my first job was in South Wales in a mixed practice and I was quite fortunate enough there to do the be the shelter vet for the Cats Protection Bridge and Adoption Centre. So I spent 18 months actually working quite closely with the centre and doing uh, a weekly visit there. And that kind of made me think, actually, this is really good. I'd probably like to go down that route at right. some point. Dipped your toe in it. Yeah. Um, but little did I realise what would happen, I suppose, in the future. Um, so I carried on in mixed and then mainly small animal practice for about five years. And after that, took a year out as a career break to go travelling. Um, and in that time worked in New Zealand but also spent another six weeks working at a neuter clinic in Thailand um, and kind of I knew when I was traveling at that point that actually when I came back I wanted to do charity work so I came back and worked for Celia Hammond for okay. six months yep. in London so um, which was also a very much an eye-opener seeing um, working in quite a, with people from that lower social economic group and also people that would maybe got themselves into situations beyond their control and actually were potentially like me but could no longer afford things so yeah. it was quite interesting and I then decided that actually I needed a charity job but wasn't really sure what I wanted to do and ended up going back into private practice for a year and hated every moment of it so <laughs> it was it was a pretty hideous year but um, I was very fortunate to then have the opportunity that the, a job at Cats Protection came out as they were developing and expanding their veterinary team mm -hmm. and so I applied for a job as the first field vet for the charity right. um, and that's what you made history basically I did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so became yeah the first field vet so it kind of molded the way for how the field vets would then work in the future for the charity um, which um, was I think was quite an achievement on my part and I, I feel that maybe I did make quite a difference I then have gone on to maternity leave a couple of times, had a couple of children, and I think, I've, again, luck has been on my side as I've fallen into the job I'm now in because I did a maternity cover for somebody else, um, and then I have stayed in the role as head of clinical services, so that's where I am today, I suppose. Um, as well as doing that, though, I'm also at the moment now doing a master's in international animal welfare ethics and law, yeah. um, so I'm just finished my second year, going into my third year, and hopefully I will graduate in that next year so certainly it's been a, a, something I've wanted to do for many years but yeah it's a passion to 
actually learn more about animal welfare now. There is always more to learn, isn't it? I think especially now it is much more, it's developing and there's a lot more to learn nowadays as well, isn't it? It's becoming much more of a focus, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. I think over the last 10 years, there's been lots of changes. So right. yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. yeah Still, there's never stuff to learn. Ne- exactly, never too old to learn, isn't it? So with, in your current role, can you kind of summarise a little bit of what you actually do? <laughs> oh, what do I do? Yeah, um, a lot it seems at times. Um, it's very diverse what I do. There's lots of different things going on. One of my main roles, I suppose, is actually as a line manager, and I've definitely moved away from being hands-on with the cats, which is um, at times a little bit sad. Um, but yes, I'm very much more in a leadership role now. So I look after a number of the teams which are in within the vet department. So um, I have the education veterinary officer, Sandra, under me, as well as I look after the field vets, um, and I look after the behaviour team and I also look after the kind of the main um, veterinary support function. So our team that gives advice and support to the vets that do our work, but also to other departments within the charity and to our adoption centres and branches. Um, as well as that, I am often I'm there to kind of do the offering of advice and support myself. And I also work closely with some of the other departments, so particularly with partnerships and working closely with them to kind of grow our corporate relationships. So working with the corporate vets, um, which is challenging at times. Um, There's also a number of projects that I head up. So I'm looking after, we've got a new programme, the Cat Welfare Champion programme, where we're making everyone within the charity um, cat welfare champ, not everyone, sorry, one person from every team <laughs> within the charity a cat welfare champion to kind of really champion what cat welfare is and make sure we're thinking about it in everything that we do. Um, we've just launched a vet survey, so looking after that as well um, to find out the perceptions of the veterinary profession, mm-hmm. CP. Um, we've also got the hide and sleep, which is part of the feline fort, so I'm looking after that project in terms of launching it to the general public and actually getting it to be seen as a good thing for cat welfare um, as well as other smaller projects and guides and different things that we're doing so it's 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 quite a busy role yeah it sounds um, like it with lots <laughs> lots going and on definitely diverse as well isn't it you know everything from working with fundraising to working with corporates and you do days in the clinic as well isn't it on site occasionally yes i do um, i still do dip my toes in just occasionally yeah, but yes just to stay in touch with what it's actually all about yeah, isn't it it's nice to remember why i'm here yeah <laughs> So what have you found the challenges of actually working in a shelter? Um, I think in terms of there are a number of challenges, which most people are probably aware of, but definitely the resources that are available is probably the biggest one. Okay, So we're dealing with a lot of cats last year. We homed 40,000 cats. You know, there is only so much money to to go around all of those cats and we've got to make the decision um, which is best for those in care. there are other challenges. I think there's quite a lot of human challenges involved with it as well. Yeah. So we've got a lot of people that work within the charity and volunteer within the charity who are passionate about um, animal welfare and the cats that are in our care. Um, sometimes that can cause problems and we do have to deal with kind of a lot of emotive decisions as well. So of course, yeah. I think they're kind of the main challenges that we see and it's trying to get the right balance between yeah, doing the right things for the cats and the best welfare, um, yeah. but also <coughs> being seen and understood by both volunteers and staff and the general public that actually we're doing things for the right reasons. That's right, yeah. And it's also, we, we, we know about herd health principles, but that, you know, if potentially other people or lay people may be looking much more at individual cats, and it's sometimes, you know, it can be a conflict as well, can't it? That's it, and we do have very much the utilitarian approach here, so it's the greatest good for the greatest number. So, yeah, yeah we've got to make the right decisions, really, to help the most cats. Yeah, think pragmatically and... 
bring all those shelter medicine principles into action really isn't it yeah definitely okay so moving on to the topic of welfare which is obviously what we're talking about and i think it's quite clear that you're well qualified to be the person talking to me about this um what does welfare actually mean to you or even you know cats protection um so in terms of what what welfare actually means it's describing what an animal is feeling um, so it's it's very much from the animal's point of view rather than what we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're looking now, there's a model where we look at the three domains um, to describe welfare. So it's much more about the physical and mental well-being of the animal, as well as making sure that we satisfy its naturalness. Okay, So that we're actually, <coughs> that animal is able to display its natural behaviour. So they're the, the three main areas that we're looking at. But also I suppose we could look at it as a way welfare is a way in which the animal is coping within its environment that it's actually in Um, so if it's experiencing good welfare or positive welfare then it's actually having more positive experiences than negative experiences and we know that we all all of us including cats dogs all animals and humans um, will experience negative experiences we can't we can't get rid of all of those but it's actually making sure on balance that there's more positive than negative experiences for that animal to be able to have a good quality of life yeah. and a, a life worth living and i think also you know for obviously for cats that can be quite different we all know that cats are not small dogs isn't it i think we've all become very aware that's of very that. true yes <laughs> so what does that mean for cats specifically so i think in terms of cats then we need to be making sure that we are allowing them to experience or, or demonstrate the behavior that they would naturally yeah. i think that's the really important thing Um, so addressing their behavioural needs Um, I think for us particularly as well we've got to remember that each cat is an individual so it's actually addressing those individual needs so (coughs) one (coughs) environment or one rule isn't going to fit all of them and so we need to think back to the ethology of the cat and actually looking back to its ancestry as the African wild cat and actually what what would that how would that cat behave what are the behavioural needs of that cat and the other the other needs to allow it to display that naturalness so that's right and maintain that mental and physical well-being um so they're really really important so in terms of i don't know do we want to go into the, the detail at this stage of for what sure yeah yes. what we need so <laughs> in terms of we know that the cat is a solitary um individual um so they they don't need social contact with other cats so we need to ensure and certainly for us within cats protection we are very keen that we keep we house our cats individually. We're not going to house them um, with other companions. Even if they come in together, we may actually separate them if we feel they're not getting on. Yeah. Um, so that's really, really important. We also need to be for providing them with somewhere that's safe and secure. So they need somewhere to be able to hide or get away. So their normal fight or flight reflexes that a cat will naturally flee. So um, it's very unlikely to want to stand up and fight. So yeah, we need to be able to give it somewhere where it's safe and secure. Um, we need to ensure that we've got appropriate resources and the ones that we're using, we're, we're kind of placing them correctly yeah. within our pens that we have. Um, so <clears throat> particularly we don't have communal pens, we have these individual pens. So looking at food and water bowls and where we're placing them and ensuring we're giving them the right litter for their litter trays um, is really important. And for us as well, scent continuity is really, really important. So we uh, use the double bed system so that the cat's feeling safe. It's got all its smells around it. And with the double bed system, we only ever take one away. We leave one remaining um, and replace one so that we've got the scent continuity there. The other thing I think we need to think about is enrichment and kind of it's, it's providing something to make the cat be able to behave more in its natural, normal, predatory way. So we're looking at 
what type of toys that we introduce and making sure we are using toys um, and other enrichment in terms of feeding enrichment so that actually the cat's having to work for its food yes. rather than just being thrown a bowl of food um, which we know that the cats when they're in our care being in care is stressful um, yeah. and they'll be suffering from a level of distress some cats will be they'll be anxious and actually they may become frustrated as well so um, all of these things we need to be addressing and actually finding what we need within their environment to actually minimise this stress and allow them to have natural behaviour. Mm. It's quite a fine balance, isn't it, at times? And I think it also brings home the point, again, that even though you're dealing with a herd within a shelter, you, at, again, at this stage, have to look at very much the individual cat and go, what does this cat need? Is this a shy one that needs to, you know, take it really slowly, but settling in, you know, giving it time to settle in? Or is this a cat that's getting frustrated, so it needs much more interactive play? It needs the feeding enrichment, etc. isn't it? So it's that <coughs> Definitely, it is really individual. And I think for us, we would love to have a welfare assessment that we could use for individual cats and it's something certainly we're working on at the moment so we can actually look at that individual and see how they're coping within that environment yeah. and it's it's about looking at their physical state their mental well-being um, and the environments around them and actually being able to score that cat and say we've got to make changes and ultimately what we want to do is to get these cats out of care as quickly as possible. So we want to get them into homes. We know the shelter environment isn't the ideal environment. So yeah. actually we've got to do everything in our power to get those cats through quickly. Um, we know stressed cats are more likely to get infectious disease. Um, so they're more likely to be held up in the process that as they're stressed, they may start to show more aggression. And that again, then they have to go through behavioral modification programs to try and get them ready for homing and all of this takes more time so for us it is very much about let's assess these cats if we can and get them through the system quicker and get them into homes where they'll have much better welfare. It's definitely not one for sitting back and kind of letting things bumble along is it it's kind of you've got to stay on top of it like you said you know from the word go monitor every single day and be, pro be proactive in what you're doing really isn't it? Definitely yes it is. And it is, it's making sure that we're providing everything for them to make it as stress-free as possible. Yeah, and I think also these, I mean, these principles are not just obviously within cats protection. I think that's something that can be applied across, you know, the veterinary sector as well, but even to cats and homes, isn't it? And I think they're all principles that are absolutely sound. And if you're interested in cats, you should be interested in their welfare, which means all of these, for example, resource availability, but also placement. So solitary cat care basically is what you're looking for and that sort of thing can all be applied across the board really isn't it that's it and kind of look thinking about <coughs> the five welfare needs yeah um and there are codes of practice which go alongside the five welfare needs that explain actually for pe particularly for people in with cats in their homes what they should be doing and how they should be helping their cats so we have the five welfare needs are a part of uk law now as mm. in terms of the animal welfare act so each owner has a responsibility to be actually fulfilling those needs and I think we're probably at that point at the moment where actually that really isn't happening yeah. and we it's need not to see mass or not followed up per se isn't it yeah and yeah. and actually looking at the PDSA 4 report we know that there's a, a, a large number of people that aren't even aware about what's in the Animal Welfare Act okay. and actually although that started to increase it's now decreasing so we all have a duty to cats and other animals, I think, to ensure that, particularly with our clients and the general public, that we're educating them yeah. on these five welfare needs and ensuring that we're um, providing for cats. I totally agree. And I think one of the big steps that we've taken within Cats Protection is um, our Cats Protection Welfare Guide, 
um, which has obviously been designed more for internal use per se. But can you talk about that a little bit? Because I know you were quite heavily involved in getting and putting that together and organizing and orchestrating. What's it about? What's it for? Um, what does it include? Because it is quite, yeah. quite So as part of our welfare strategy that we had at Cats Protection, which is probably three or four years ago now, one of the main things we wanted to do was to kind of educate everybody, every volunteer and every staff member in cat welfare and what is good cat welfare. And one of the things that was put forward was that we produced a guide. Um, so we have this guide that is around about 130 pages long and it, it literally starts at the beginning and talks about what the cat is, mm. uh, the, its ancestry, its ethology, and actually you know what, what that cat needs. We go on to describe um, what the five welfare needs are and how it's applicable to law. And then we go in depth into each of the five welfare needs and talk about so the environment, food and water, and natural behaviour, and <coughs> living with or apart from other animals, and also about the health of the cat. So we talk, we talk through each of those needs and actually what these cats needs, but how it's applicable to cats in care, because mm -hmm. actually it's, it is very different. Sure. And as I said earlier, from the, the cat in the home environment, as I said earlier on, that actually the shelter environment will never be ideal. So yeah. we've got to do the best that we can. And that's it's addressing those facts and hopefully making everybody think, right, let's try and make it the best we can and let's get the cats through the system and out. But within it, we also address a few of the more, I suppose, slightly contentious issues. So we talk about cat breeding and actually the impact that's having on cat welfare with more these more extreme breeds. So we do kind of address it quite directly. Yeah. Um, we also talk more about the kind of the human welfare side of things and compassion fatigue and the relationship and looking at hoarders and the effects that has on welfare but also the, the human welfare aspect of it because we find that's or we thought that's very important in this situation this isn't of just course. about the cats it's also the human involvement that's as right, well yeah. um, so <clears throat> it's there it's a bible and it's now a resource that every new staff member and every volunteer now receives mm. Um, and it's kind of set the basis of what cat welfare will now be and it's for all departments it's not just for those people that are working hands-on with the cats it applies the principles of welfare for people even if we work, they're working in a for example a fundraising or communications department they can see how it how it affects their role and what they should be doing to, to change it for example not using brachycephalic breeds or extreme deformed cats um, for our PR work and yeah. things so it, it's it's really is involving every department and every person within the charity to actually think about cat welfare and what they do. And I think that's again like you said earlier about a part of that education role that we have as well isn't it to make more people aware of what does cat welfare actually mean what does it actually look like in real life because it's all good and well knowing the principles but if you can't actually apply them and you don't spot the issues in everyday life be that on social media or, or you know even family and friends let's face it <laughs> um, and they're oftentimes the hardest ones to convince aren't they but again it's making sure that people do become aware and you actually do point it out and say hey this is not okay um, for whatever reason that may be and that's it and we all have a role to play we've literally just set up our cat welfare champion program and it's very much about getting one member from every team to, to help disseminate good welfare information to their teams but also for everybody to understand that we do have a role to play and we should in every person that we speak to out in the public whether it's your hairdresser or anyone else in that kind of environment whatever out there that if they ask us a question about cat welfare then actually we give them a good answer mm -hmm. and if we use the hairdresser as an example they may then pass that message on to five or ten more people in the next couple of weeks and actually that's disseminating that information 
and yes friends and family are often the hardest mm. um, but if we can kind of keep keep giving these good messages out then we will make change um, and actually help more cats it's also again the perception isn't it and how people view things because i think um at our recent cat welfare champions training day the first day that we've had we sort of showed for example social media video clips of let's in um, inverted commas funny cats which obviously was maybe funny for some people watching it but obviously not funny from the cat's perspective you know like cats with cucumbers i think most people have seen those and again just pointing out from a welfare perspective this isn't great welfare and the amount of pennies i think that dropped in the room it would have yeah the piggy bank would have been pretty happy i think isn't it and again it's those people now having epiphanies and kind of going aha and again passing on the message i think they're going to be some really strong advocates there isn't it yeah that's it and i think again we will each have a role to play if you're seeing these things on social media that actually we comment on it and we say that it's inappropriate and we we don't get all angsty about the way that we say it we uh, we explain and educate people why we think it's wrong yeah um and actually you know it, we, there's a way of doing it and I think we've got to be cautious in how we do it but actually yes trying to get these good messages across yeah. um, I think yes it's quite depressing when you actually start looking and one of the things I did was looking for videos for our cat welfare champion day and actually yeah you suddenly start to get oh yeah or Christmas quite. cards and things like that isn't yeah. it you kind of just think it is it is scary how little people do really think about it yeah and I think even within the charity itself at the moment we are going through a period of change so for example, Christmas cards are a really good example that actually we are shown within our team. One of the things that we do is we look at things that are coming through retail and actually we may find that we disagree with, with some of the things, even if it's just a photograph of a cat that's got massive pupils. Mm. Um, actually, we, you know, we can't advocate that's use because it's showing a stressed cat. And if we're going to make change and get people to understand cats, their body language and their welfare, then we need to be the ones that advocate um, good cat welfare and everything that we do so yeah yeah no I think that's very well said and I think again it comes down to the bigger picture but at the same time also the individual isn't it yes we all want better cat welfare but unless we step up and make small changes ourselves and educate where we can the change is never going to happen is it no exactly yeah so we definitely definitely all have a role to play so even as vets in practice certainly you're seeing clients so you can be passing on this message and I know that <coughs> welfare isn't covered well in the undergraduate degree. This is the problem. Yeah. Um, hopefully we will see change in that in years to come. But actually we all yeah, need to have it forefront in our minds that welfare is the reason that we're here to be vets. And yeah. actually cat animal welfare is the most important thing. So we have a duty um, to be spreading these welfare messages. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's very well said. Um, I think that brings me to the end of my questions at the moment. Is there anything else you want to add? Anything else you haven't covered? For us, I think the, the kind of the one take home message, I suppose, that I have is that it is very much about in the charity setting, practicing good cat welfare is very much about getting those cats into the home as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So we need to improve their welfare whilst they're with us um, to ensure that we reduce their time in care. Yeah, so we can yeah maximise it, but it will never be perfect, basically. Isn't no, it? yeah. Okay. No, I think that's a very good end message there. Thank you very much. So thank you again, Vanessa, for your time. I really appreciate it. And thank you for your very much in-depth insight into everything <laughs> that you're learning about at the moment as well. Um, and good luck with the rest of your studies. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.